Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Apostolic Children's Ministry Podcast. And today, again, twice in a row, we have something a little bit different. I am not doing a podcast with anybody. In fact, I'm by myself recording this intro, and from here on, it's going to be a uh, replay of a message I heard back in 2016 from Brother Merle Cornwell at the Commit Conference in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, hosted by Pastor Tony Spell. And it's a message that I will never forget. I remember hearing it the first time, and it, it absolutely changed the way I thought about bus ministry and how it could go. So I'm actually going to replay that for you here today, and this really isn't a cop-out. This isn't me just trying to put a, push out a podcast without any effort. This is something that, that I think about all the time and I would love to share with, with people. Um, on our second podcast ever, way back in the day, I actually posted a clip of this, a smaller portion, but I'm going to post most of it in its entirety. And it's just an incredible message, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, One quick reminder about our podcast is we do have our original podcast, Apostolic Children's Ministry, which you can find on all the various platforms. But we did have to re-host on a different account, Apostolic Children's Ministry 2.0. So I'm highly recommending unsubscribe from the first podcast and subscribe to the 2.0 to get all of the updates because eventually we're going to be phasing out <clears throat> that first one and if that's the only one you're connected to then that's uh, going away and you won't see any updates so we appreciate it god bless and i hope you enjoy now somebody asked me just why do i run buses and why do i teach home bible study let me let me tell you let me tell you why that we run buses we have we run 25 buses, and we're fixing to buy 15 more. For a fact, uh, just a few minutes ago, I, I received a text, and my bus director found uh, two 1999 buses with 130,000 miles on them, and uh, they, I can buy them for $11,700. And so when I get home, I'm going to go to somebody, and I'm going to say, I need $11,700, and I'm going to expect to get it so we can buy two more buses, and that will give us 27 buses. Wichita, Kansas, in the metro area, has 700,000 people. We have 23 zip code areas uh, within the city limits, and there are another uh, 16 zip codes surrounding us. So we can put a bus to a zip code, and a zip code contains 10,000 residential houses in each zip code. So our buses uh, can be numbered by the zip code. Because you can run out of colors. When I, when I grew up, we were sharecroppers. There was 11 Cornwells, 11 children in the Cornwell family. The reason we had so many was that the more kids you had, the more cotton you could pick. So mom and daddy raised cotton pickers. We did not live in the plantation house. We lived in the slave quarters. We lived in a shack without doors and without the windows. We was raised very poor. There was a Pentecostal church in our community. And like most Pentecostal churches, they had a Sunday school drive once a year. It usually lasted three to five weeks. And when they would announce a contest and they would announce the prize of a bicycle or a Bible or whatever the prize was, 
they made a beeline to the Cornwell house. Because if they picked up the Cornwell kids, they would win the prize. And when they won the prize, we were forgotten until the next year. I went to 12 years of high school and was never invited to church by the Pentecostals, nor the Baptists, nor the Methodists, nor the Catholics. Our town simply didn't care whether we went to hell or not. The Pentecostals that was in our school, I thought they all had polio. They was afraid to show their knees. They didn't dress out for P.E. I didn't know it was holiness. I thought they had polio and was ashamed of their legs. And by the stroke of God, I, I received a full ride scholarship to Louisiana Tech University. Uh, uh, I was just so smart they couldn't deny me. Y'all don't seem to be near as impressed as y'all ought to be. And uh, my first roommate in college was an absolute freak of nature. He had hair oil in his hair. His hair was parted and combed over. And he had long uh, shirt on and breeches and had uh, hush puppy shoes that tied. And it was 1967, the height of the hippie revolution. We was, we was popping acid and, and we was doing everything we was big enough to do. And uh, I went to college to raise hell. And I, I opened my first dorm door. The first three words I heard was, praise the Lord. God messed up my college career before I ever got started. And five days later, he took me to church. And uh, five days later, I was in the altar praying and receiving the Holy Ghost. And I never will forget when I stood up after I got through speaking in tongues. Out loud, I said, God, if you're going to call me to preach, I'm going to give every kid in my city an opportunity to go to church every Sunday and not just in a contest. We have had as many as 1,666 riders a week on our bus. In the last five years, I can count the number of problems we've had on one hand with fingers left over. Because our church understands that bus ministry is a vital part of our church. We have one strike and you're out. If a kid swings his fist, he never rides our bus again. And we find that when we remove troublemakers, uh, our bus routes grow. Because parents want to send their kids to church. Single mothers want their children to go to church. Alcoholic dads want their children to go to church. They may not bring their kids to church, but they want their kids to go to a safe church and a safe Sunday school and a safe place. So the reason we run buses is because I was a Sunday school kid once a year, and I just feel like every kid in your city has a right to come to church every Sunday, and if they don't have a ride, somebody needs to make a way for them. Can I have it? Amen. amen. In Luke chapter 14, verse 16, he said unto them, a certain man made a great supper and bid many. 
He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that are forbidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said, I have bought a ranch, therefore I cannot come. I must needs go and deer hunt on it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five new Cadillacs and I've got to go try them out. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife. He's the only one that had an excuse. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being Amy, said to a servant, Go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. God did not call you to preach to empty pews. He did not call you to preach in beautiful buildings. He said, compel them to come in that my house may be full. Amen. Conversion is a moment making a saint take the rest of your life. But we got the rest of the life to make a saint out of the sinner. And the Lord said, go into the... Uh, so, 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 go out of the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. For I say that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I want to define the word compel. He said, go out and compel them to come that my house may be full. The word compel, the dictionary definition is to make something happen. Your church is not going to accidentally grow. Number one, you have a calling from God. And that's more important than money and facilities and help. Number two, you got faith. I think we do. Yes, sir. I said we got faith. Number three, you got the word on your side. I will be with you even to the end of the world. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And last of all, I had a home Bible study chart and I had more zeal than I had knowledge. I had more zeal than I had knowledge, but thank God I used the zeal that I have. Can I have it? Amen. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm going to hurt a lot of feelings with this statement. But uh, don't worry. I'm going to leave in the morning. You won't have to worry about me. Praise God. It only takes one soul winner in a church for a church to grow. It only takes one soul winner. Your bus worker is an evangelist because he's dealing with the unconverted. Your home Bible study teacher is the nearest thing to a Bible evangelist that there is out there. He goes into the unsaved's home. He goes into the unconverted. He sits down with them. He opens the word of God. He teaches them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gives to them the plan of salvation. He brings them to the house of God. He baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin. That is a Bible evangelist. It only takes one Bible study teacher for a church to grow. Arlie Forsyth in our church has an incurable disease. I thank God that he finally has been healed. But it took 
over 25 years for him to get his healing. But when he was afflicted with his disease, uh, the, 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 the glue in his skin breaks down and his skin and flesh literally falls off of his body. And he has to take things uh, that kill athletes called steroids uh, in order to fight this outbreak when he has them. And the doctor says that any time that he does not take the steroid uh, for 72 hours, he will be a dead man. And we have found him on his office where he has forgotten to take uh, his, his medication. And we have had to rush him to the emergency room on numerous occasions uh, to get him revived uh, uh, just before he died. Arnie Forsythe was a machinist at Boeing Aircraft. And uh, uh, we had a downturn. He got laid off. And so he, he started drawing his unemployment, 26 weeks of unemployment. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, uh, while I'm on unemployment, he said, while, while the government's paying me, he said, I think I'll just buy a Bible study chart and I'll start teaching a Bible study. And he did. He bought a Bible study chart. He started teaching. And the first thing you know, he had 20 home Bible studies a week. At the end of 26 weeks, uh, he had won 65 adults to God. And Boeing called him back. And I went to him and I said, Brother Forsythe, I'm sorry, but Boeing will never have you again. You're, as of now, you're full-time on our staff. And for the last 35 years, he's been on our staff. He has taught a total of over 32,000 home Bible studies. He is the most prolific soul winner in America. He has preached a total of three sermons in the pulpit in the last 35 years. You, you know Arlie Forsythe, Brother Spell. He's a very quiet man. He sits right beside me on the platform. He never griped because he doesn't get to preach in the pulpit. But how can you gripe when you're preaching 17 times a week anyway? We get a view that if you don't preach in the pulpit, you're not a preacher. That's a lie born out of hell. This, this is a place of entertainment. At a kitchen table with one family, and you open the Word of God, and you divide the Word of God to one family. I've got to let my temper get back down, okay? It only takes one bus captain. One bus captain can change the culture of an entire church. I never will forget, uh, I have a creature of habit. Uh, I, I gas up at the same service station. When I go to the greatest Mexican food restaurant in the world, Taco Bell, I eat exactly the same thing every time I go to Taco Bell. And I go there three times a week. If it wasn't for Taco Bell, I'd starve to death. And when I go to the hospital, I take the same route. You know, I, I don't have to know anything. My secretary tells me what to do when I get to church. My wife tells me what I have to do when I get home. All I have to know is how to get from home to church. And um, I guess up at the, the service station, and it, it was a full service, self-service type station. They had the cage where you had to pay your bill. And uh, I would go to self-service. I'd go up to pay for my gas. And the guy would just grunt at me. Never, I never could get engaged in conversation. So one day I said, I'm going to get that dude. So I pulled up the full service t 
tank. It just burns me up to have to pay 25 cents a gallon more for gas because they pump it for you. But he came out and he pumped my gas and I helped him. He had to check my tires and I helped him. He had to check my oil and I helped him. He said, if you're going to do all this, why didn't you go over to the self-service place? I said, because I've been trying for months to get you to talk to me. And I said, I decided I'm going to talk to you. I said, where do you go to church at? He said, I must have known. I, I just knew you as a preacher. I said, I wouldn't talk to you. I said, well, I got news for you. I am a preacher, and God wants me to talk to you. I said, you need to go to church. He said, I ain't got time to go to church. So the next time I went, I went to the self-service pump. He comes out, and he pumps my gas for me. And we talk. And uh, after about a couple of months, I said, are you married? I couldn't imagine being married as mean as he was. He said, yes, I'm married. I got two kids. I've adopted two kids. I said, where do you live? He told me where he lived. I said, I'm going to come by and meet your family. So I knocked on his door with my Bible study chart and uh, walked in and uh, introduced him to me to his wife and his kids. He had two little brats. They weren't kids. They were demons. I said, I got a Bible study I want to show you. So I flipped my charts and showed him the Bible study. He said, I, I, he said, I'd like to have that. His wife said, okay. And so I sat in their floor while they sat on the couch, and I taught them a Bible study for 26 weeks, three hours, every Monday night for 26 weeks. The reason I taught for three hours is because they would not let me leave. That w- one of the kids used my charts for a high hurdle. Other one use it for a pup tent. One day, one 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 night, the kid with the high hurdles, evidently he was on drugs or something. He was about two and a half years old. He jumped over my chart, landed right in the middle of the wire, and liked to crush his brother to death. Ruined my charts. And they both wore diapers. And let me tell you something, ladies. Don't buy cheap diapers. Make sure there's lots of glue in the tabs. And mom and dad was impervious to their little demon. I mean, uh, uh, one of the kids. And uh, I, I held one with a half Nelson on the one neck. And, the other, uh, and I tried to teach, trying to corral those kids. And one of them's pamper came loose. Very delicately, when I walked out to the car, I managed to get the jacket off. Without getting it all over me. It was on my necktie. I just throw the necktie out the window. You know, you, I, I, I'm not going to wear that necktie again. I laid my coat in the trunk. My trunk stunk so bad. I finally, I, I sent it to the laundry. and uh, But when it come back, I could still smell it. I finally throw the suit away. Taught him 26 weeks. When I got through, he said, is that it? I said, that's it. He said, thank you. I said, you're welcome. I kept buying gas from him. He never taught religion again for one year. One year almost to the date that I finished the Bible study, him and his wife and two boys walked into church before church, walked straight to the altar. He said, we're here. I said, what do you need? He said, we want that Holy Ghost you talked about. I said, y'all want to get baptized? He said, we want to get baptized as long as you're baptized in Jesus' name. Just Just a matter of fact. 
church hadn't even started yet. We gathered around them, prayed them through the Holy Ghost, baptized them, and had church. Praise God. Three weeks later, three weeks later, they came and said, uh, we want to do something for God. I said, you do? I said, what do you want to do? He said, what, what's them buses doing out there? I said, we run them buses every Sunday. We pick up kids. He said, that's what we want to do. I said, you want to run a bus route? And I thought, you know what? I got to keep these people. And I went and bought them a bus personally. And for 19 years, they ran that bus route. Let me get a little of this. They averaged 75 on their bus for 19 years. Their, their, their weekly average over a 19-year period of time was 75 on their bus. You never know when you win somebody to God that they could change the culture of your entire congregation. I'd like to tell you I'm a great preacher, but that's not the truth. Uh, I'd like to tell you I'm a great leader, but that's not the truth. Uh, I'd like to tell you I'm a great man of God, but that's not the truth. There are people in my congregation uh, that are going to have greater rewards uh, than I ever dreamed of having. I say we loosen our people and we let them go. I think we need to quit holding our people back and say, what can you do for God? Why don't you reach the sky? The, I'm going to tell you what, there's no limit to, to what God will do to lay people if you'll let them go. We talk about, we got a calling from God. Your people has a calling from Almighty God. If they got the Holy Ghost, they were called to win people to God. It only takes one door knocker. It only takes one prayer warrior. It only takes one person with faith to change the rev and revolutionize your church. We need to let people reach the potential. There are people in this room that could become the greatest bus captain in America right now. I'm not going to tell you where I was at, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. I was in a church. I was sitting on the front row. That Sunday morning, they had 30,560 in Sunday school. He brought two boys on the platform. And he said to one boy, the boy, the boy had a, a, a suit out of the 1950s. I mean, you're talking about a geek. He was freakish looking. A little thin necktie. A shirt that didn't even have good collars to it. He had a buzz hairdo. White walled hairdo. And uh, he said, I'm a bus captain. He said, where's your bus route? And he told me, uh, told us where the bus route was. It was 30 miles from church. 30 miles. He said, uh, how many did you have on your bus route this past Sunday? The boy bowed his head. Tears are, are, are flowing out of his face. You can see that from the front row, you can see the tears wet in the front of his shirt. And the pastor said, how many did you have on your bus route Sunday morning? He said, I had 860 on my bus route. He said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, how did you have 860 on one bus? He said, I didn't have one bus. He said, well, we only provide you one bus. He said, I know it. But he said, he said my wife and I, we get five weeks vacation. He said, we knock doors 10 hours a day for five weeks on our vacation. And he said, we rented 16 more buses with our own money. And he said, we hired bus drivers 
to run those 16 extra buses. And he brought 860 on his bus route 30 miles from church. And I realized that it's, it's not how good the preaching is in the pulpit. It's how hard the work is in the pew that builds churches. I have been hindered by the proverbial flea in a jar. He jumps up and bangs his head on the lid. And after a while, you can take the lid off and he won't jump any higher. And I think some of us, uh, we don't have no lids on us, uh, but we've been held down and we can only jump so high and we have to stay down. But I think the lid's off and you need the revelation uh, that you can go higher than that jar. I was held down by believing uh, that if you had two buses, that was great. If you had three buses, uh, uh, that was extraordinary. If you had four buses, you're turning into a charismatic. And we find we got 15 buses, and I said, that's not enough. We went to 20, and I, I said, that's not enough. We went to 25, and that's not enough. We're on our way to 40 buses. I want a bus in every zip code in Wichita from the ultra poor to the ultra rich. Everybody has a right to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm too old to worry about what you think about me. I'm too old to worry about what somebody else thinks about me. I think I ought to start worrying about what Jesus is going to say because I'm about to meet Jesus and I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It only takes one. David acted alone. Elijah acted alone. Moses acted alone. Abraham acted alone. And Jesus died alone. I don't want to belabor the point. Use what you have no matter how small it is. The key word here in the scripture says, uh, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. We got to redefine abundance. 188,000 residential doors in the city limits of Wichita, Kansas. In the metro area, we have 283,000 doors, residential doors in Wichita. On, on, on any given Saturday, we'll knock more than 1,000 doors on our bus ministry and our visitation program and our follow-up. But it just seemed like 1,000 among 300,000 is not very abundant. I went to a direct mail company in Wichita. And I, I found out all the statistics, and I said, I'd like to mail a brochure to 250,000 doors. What would it cost me? When he told me how much it costs, it came down to 13 cents a door. 13.1 to be exact. 13 cents. And I thought, wow, that's cheap to reach a door. And, and they can put it in the mailbox that somebody has to reach in and take it out and look at it before they throw it away. And so I devised a plan where uh, I preached four Sunday mornings in a row in the month of October on prophecy. I preached four simple prophetic sermons. I preached on the, on the signs of, 
of Christ's return, the rise of the Antichrist, Armageddon, and the rapture. And, and I, I advertised the sermons I was going to preach. And uh, when, when the people came, I gave them all of my sermon notes when they walked in the door. And we mailed out 250,000 brochures, and we mailed them all the same day. It took a big truck to deliver them to the post office. And within three days, 250,000 households picked up that full-colored brochure with First Pentecostal Church, the sermons I was going to preach, the map to the church, and and. What, what we did not do, we, we did not expect the kind of result. We had 257 families, not people, families, visited our church that month. When we got the 257 families, that's the cards that we got and addresses. We followed up visitation on every one of them. And when we followed up the visitation, we ended up getting over 60 Bible studies. That, that went through the entire Bible study. Out of the 60 Bible studies uh, that we taught, we won 15 families to God that are in our church today as a result. Here's the key. It only took four families paying their tithe one year to pay for the program. When you talk about abundance, 804,000 people in Baton Rouge, did you know that I have the address and names uh, and addresses of everybody in this whole parish. And that for 13.1 cent, you can touch everybody in this parish. This is about reaching sinners. I said, this is about reach. This is about reaching for sinners. Can I have an Amen. Okay, I'm, I'm almost through. Praise God. I, I, I got to change sermons. Let, let, me, let, me, let me go very quickly. I got one more thing that I want to preach. Praise God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Now, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. In other words, he's got a government job. Daniel has already been through the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have already been through the fiery furnace. And men before him have already fought the battles that now there's high government people, uh, people in high government places uh, from the slavery of Israel. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He had some brothers come from Jerusalem that had been burned with fire and the walls broken down and the gates consumed that were, that were, had come to Babylon to see Nehemiah. And Nehemiah asked the question, uh, how are things back home? How are things back home? And they say, well, the walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. And we are in great affliction. And now, Nehemiah had heard this many times. But on this particular occasion, it seized his heart. It convicted him. And he started weeping and praying and crying. Because it dawned on him, here I am with a golden cup in my hand, and my brethren 
are in trouble. Now, I get sick of people cursing the president and cursing Congress and cursing the Supreme Court and cursing the politicians and cursing everybody when we don't do a cotton-picking thing about it. If America is going to be changed, it's never going to be changed by the government. It's going to be changed by the church. The church is the most powerful entity that there is in America. It will do what God wants us to do. And so he appeared before the king with a sad countenance. And uh, the king says uh, that there's something wrong here. You've never appeared before me with a sad countenance. What's wrong with you? And Nehemiah's afraid. And he said, he said, how can I be happy when my city is, is broken down. The gates are consumed with fire. My people are in great affliction. And the king says, what do you ask for? And he says, send me to Jerusalem that I may repair the walls of Jerusalem. You got to understand, he's never, ever built anything. He's got lily white hands. All he's held is a golden cup. He's never had a hammer. He's never had a saw. He's never had a work. He's never, ever had to take the garbage out. He'd never been to the city dump and he got to go to Jerusalem. That is a heap of a, a, a junk pile and he got to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, don't look at me and say, well, I've never done it before, and I know I can't do it now. That's wrong. You can do what God calls you to do. But I don't know how. Why would God tell you how to do it when you're not going to go anyway? God will talk to you once you stand up and you start walking forward. Stand up. Walk forward. Praise God. Now, let me hurry. I got to hurry here. Praise God. And verse 9 of chapter 2. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. The king had sent captains of the army and horsemen. And when Sanballat and the Horonite, the Tobiah, the servant of the Ammonite heard it, it grieved them exceedingly that a man was come to seek the welfare. There are people that don't want you to have church growth. We're not the big eye. He's the big eye. 